Hello there, how are you doing? I hope you're managing to sneak into autumn with a cozy blanket, a cup of tea and a great story on your lap. It's Freddy here, finally resurfacing on the literary waves. Well, this episode was supposed to be out a couple of weeks ago, but hey, uh, who knew that overworking gets worse around holidays? Uh, you trade relax for having to do the same amount of work in a shorter space of time. How wonderful is that? Anyway, it was totally worth it. I went back to Italy to Sunny Ferrara. It's a small city near Bologna, uh, and I went for an incredible journalist festival. It was a bliss. Butters, recharging full on good food, inspiring talks among experts and with awesome friends and the almost daily 30 degrees helped me soothe into autumn like a balm. It was delicious. I totally recommend you to go to Ferrara if you manage. So today, if you love myths, folklore, mystery and dream of moving to a Scottish village near the coast, stay tuned. Today I'm bringing you the lovely Fiona Gillencare, who is currently busy with the launch events of her first published novel, The Bone on the Beach. Uh, in fact, I think she's in Thursday today, if you're listening on the Saturday. Um, this is an evocative story inspired by the Celtic legend of the Deirdre of the Sorrows. Uh, more on this later, she will explain a bit more. Um, we follow the story of two women both trying to escape from their realities and their daily lives and despite a distance of 15 years between them their paths cross. It's a moving and powerful story and it was so lovely to talk to Fiona about how it came to life. So enough from me today, I'm just leaving you to our lovely guest. I hope you enjoy. Hello Fiona and welcome to Northern Biblosphere. How are you doing today? Doing fine, thank you, except it's very cold and windy up here, but apart from that we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Highlands, it's the Highlands. Even in Inverness now it's uh, pouring rain, it's proper autumn weather, so a cup of tea is needed and yes. uh, we're heading towards winter. That's, that, that's it. But uh, yes. I think it's a perfect time to talk about your book. The book is titled The Bone on the Beach. Um, yeah, and it's your first published novel, and it's coming out very, very soon. Uh, you have the launch uh, in a couple of days, so that's exciting. How are you? How are you feeling about it? Well, I'm a little nervous about these uh, launch events. Uh, I, I, you know, I thought that writing the book was hard enough, but marketing it and and editing it's been quite a, a stretch. So it's fine. So, yeah, the process after mar- nobody likes marketing. None of the creatives actually likes marketing. I think. Yes, and social media has been quite a challenge, but there we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, uh, no, it's fantastic to have you here on the podcast today. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask if you can tell me a bit more about yourself uh, and your back history before this book. Well, um, I was um, born in Cambridge, and both my parents were Scottish from the Lowlands. Uh, and we moved around quite a lot. So I was educated in England, and uh, and I, I've done a lot of things over my time. My, my first job was teaching in Greenwich, in the dockyards in Greenwich. Yes, that was interesting. And um, 
And then I went overseas to teach for a while. And then eventually I, I got into adult training and traveled all over the world. So I've traveled a lot, married my husband, and so lived partly in America and partly here. And got four sons now and grandchildren are arriving. So we're getting there. <laughs> Brilliant. A lot of traveling. How did you get into writing? So, well, I, I don't know. Well, I do know. I used to always read a lot. And then... Uh, my last two children, the boys, were twins. And when they were 18, they went off to university. And I thought, I've got to do something. I, I've always wanted to write. So I thought, I need to, you know, get a new challenge in my life and start another career. And that's when I started. So I started writing. So I've actually written about four other books before this one, just not had them published yet. And some of them need some help. And obviously, you learn uh, as you go along, you get more experience at writing, perhaps a little better at it. And so, yeah, so I've got another one that I've just started. Uh, uh, so I've got like five books somewhere, some, somewhere. Yeah, so keep busy. Very busy, especially if you're, uh, yeah, I really hope that they find a publisher because I am loving The Bone on the Beach, how it's written. Um, it's just a really, really, how you write it really just puts you in the spot. The descriptions, the characters is just very involving and uh, I find it just very soothing as well and entertaining um so how did you decide to write the one on which where does the inspiration come from uh we were literally walking on a beach one day and there was a bone and I thought wait a minute this is very odd uh, and I find that when I'm writing that it's usually some strange object in some place that sets me off and it thinks what could happen here and so then I, I saw the bone I thought well it's here in Scotland wouldn't it be great if I could find a, a Scottish legend that I could actually you know relate to this bone uh, and then I thought well I found the Deity of the Sorrows, which is a great legend. And I thought, well, this is fine, but uh, people are, you know, are not so keen to read old stories like that. Re I mean, they do, and some people write them very well. But I, I just thought people love mysteries. They love mysteries and they love ghost stories. And so that's what I did. I thought, well, I'll make a ghost story, or uh, a mystery. And then I did it in two viewpoints. Uh, uh, the... I set the story of, of Deirdre in a contemporary setting. So she was in 2002. Uh, and then I had a, 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 a woman who was coming to the Highlands to, to escape her, her obsessive lover, so to speak. And she came in 2017. And she realized that there were a lot of secrets in the village. Nobody quite knew what had happened to Deirdre and where she'd gone to and what had happened. And so she became haunted by De uh, Deirdre because Deirdre wanted her story told. And that's basically the premise of the book. That sounds really, really interesting. And uh, um, I wonder, uh, of course, there's these two women, uh, Deirdre and Megan, uh, who are um, the two main narrators. Uh, well, actually, I think that Megan is a narrator, whereas we see Deirdre from sort of a third person uh perspective if i'm not yeah yeah um what did you decide that and uh, can you tell me yeah a bit more about the two the two women and how they kind of relate to each other well they uh i mean i, I wrote it in such a way that deirdre was written in the third person 
and Megan was in the first person because Megan, I thought, you know, the reader could kind of discover things uh, as if they were Megan being the, in, in the moment. Um, and, of course, in many ways, they're very similar because they both, you know, uh, have have been, if you like, uh, not persecuted exactly, but, you know, handled rather badly by male men. Uh, and, uh, and so what I thought was interesting was, although they are the same, Deirdre, you know, is a young lady and, and she's got less control over her life, whereas Megan is twice her age when the story starts and you'd think she had more control of her life, but she doesn't really. And uh, it seems like, in a way, Deirdre is the stronger personality because she always knew who she was, whereas Megan discovered, uh, after she discovered about Deirdre and she, and she found her own feet, that she she started to think, well, you know, I can I can take more control of my life. That was the the reflection in a way. Even though Megan was older, she she seemed to have lost control. Uh, whereas Deirdre always knew who she was. She was she was very determined from a very young age. She was different, and and she said, well, that's who I am. And I think that's very important. That was kind of. I, I didn't really set out to, to write a message for the book, but I think, uh, to me, it was the, the phrase, I think, that Bridget said to uh, Bridget, who was uh, Deirdre's great aunt and her mentor, and she said to her, you know, it's our fate to be misunderstood, but never to deny our right to be so. And I think that's very important. I think that should be the essence of everyone's life. Don't be defined by anybody else. Just be yourself and go for it. And that's what I did. That's what I thought about. And uh, I think that it's something that comes to my mind is that that's, of course, two women. Uh, and, uh, of course, women in this world are getting told a lot of times what that, where they have to stand, what they have to do, uh, what's their role. So did you write it with uh, that in mind? Yes. And, and it really, I, I think it just evolved, you know, because I, when I write... I know the beginning of the book and I know the end of the book and I have an idea about the characters and I do little outlines, but they kind of evolve as they go along. And it, I don't set out to say, I've, in fact, when I'm writing, sometimes I find I've written a sentence or two and I thought, where did that I was saying that I don't, yes, sometimes I, I write something and I don't remember thinking about it. It just comes out. And you were saying earlier on something about, uh, yeah, you imagine you're there. I find when I start writing, I actually do imagine I'm there. I just feel like the characters, and I, I say, what does it feel like to be that person? And sometimes I say, oh, she's walking up the hill. What does that feel like? So I go and walk up the hill and see what it feels like. You know, that kind of thing. Yes, it's just kind of to be, and I get quite carried away And when I'm writing. I think, oh, this is fun. <laughs> I'm on an adventure now. Off I go. You know, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. It's nice to see that there's this practical research as well uh, into what the characters do. Um, how much does it make you feel about them when, when you finish the book and you're like, okay, they're, when you close the book and, well, not close, but when you, when you finish writing and that sort of research has, has finished for the characters of that particular book? Well, yes, I mean, uh, my husband said, oh, you should write a, a sequel. But I I just find, I like to leave a book, like uh, uh, at the end, if I read a book or write a book, I like to say, 
okay, so I want the reader to go away with thinking they've, you know, that was an interesting ending, but I wonder what happens next. And, uh, and I don't want to end it like, you know, I'm quite happy to let people think, well, I wonder what happens to, to Megan next or, so I, I'm not, I'm not wanting to, to carry on with those characters really. I mean, I could, but I, I feel like I've said all I want to say and they've got another life and I've got another life, <laughs> perhaps like that, you know? Absolutely. Uh, just going back to the first chapters, uh, at some point Megan goes um, out for the first time, wants to get a fish and chips, thinking that nobody's going to be there and uh, the whole village is there. <laughs> the whole island is there just uh, uh, wanting to yeah, get an efficient chip. So the whole community is gathered and there's uh, one of the characters uh, that says that, well, sh she says that she's uh, Tapetron. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, uh, Tapetron, yes. It means like uh, feisty. Yeah, no, I was just very curious. And of course, that is uh, um, telling Megan that she is feisty just as Deirdre. Uh, but she was uh, like, Deirdre was a bit more stubborn as well. So it just sort of connects to what you were saying, that one had more control of her life, whereas Megan... She she said that she can be when <laughs> when she wants to in the right. Yes, that's right, and, that, and that's the first introduction, of course, she has to to the idea who of this girl Deirdre. It's the first time she'd never heard of her before, of course. So that's the, the moment to introduce the parallel characters, I think. Perfect. And in terms of parallel characters, can you tell me a bit more about the community and the um, the community around Megan and Deirdre and uh, um, just how how you decided to paint them in a way? Well, I mean, I'm living in a community like that, basically. I mean, I'm embedded in it. And uh, we have friends here. We've, I mean, that's what's been so wonderful. We've only been here since 2018. Uh, but... Uh, we have made so many friends in the community and every day, you know, I look out there, the sheep and, and one day I even had to herd 30 sheep all on my own because they were running everywhere. And I thought, this is crazy. Uh, and, uh, and I did it all right. I'm not quite sure how. I think my luck more than anything else. But and then I've talked to people about the traditions and, and uh, some friends took me up to the, the clearance village nearby. And there's just and oh, there. And something about the superstition, I think the superstitions up here are wonderful. We've even been told that we've got an old Pictish stone uh, in the wall of our buyer uh, that is um, supposed to be the gateway between this world and the next. Wow. So, yes. Have you seen any weird presences then? <laughs> no, no. But the first night I was here on my own, my my husband went had to go back oh to the store. And uh, I actually did, we, I'm in the old, our bedrooms are in the old part of the cottage and I lay in bed with the old fireplace that was there and, and the old chains and everything. And I did try and appease the spirits of the house. I said, it's okay, we've come and we're not going to ruin your house. We're trying, you know, we're going to carry on. The, and um, I don't know why I did that. Perhaps just to make me feel less frightened in that cottage on my own up in the hills, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been just so, so scared. Uh, but it's also very, it's such an experience as well to be in such a, I, th I don't know, because 
we don't know how much is real and what is not. So I think there's still that sense of it probably isn't real, but if it is, let's let's be sure that we are treating the spirits or the other dimension the right way with respect. Yes, definitely. I don't know. If, I don't know if you've ever been to a clearance village, but it's very interesting because it's. Uh, there were these three or four abandoned houses up there, and you could just feel. I mean, the people we were this were there with our friends. They said, "Can't you just feel it?" And you could. You could just something about being up there in these empty houses. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, it was. Well, unearthly is not the word. It was just a little bit awe-inspiring. I think is the word I'd like to use. Yes, and and sad. Very sad. Someone said to me, how can you write about uh, the beauty of the landscape and then um, and then think about the Highland Clearances? And I say, well, that's the point, isn't it, in a way, that when you look at a place that's so beautiful uh, and it's been destroyed in many ways, a bit like Deirdre, you know, it's this beautiful girl and she had this everything and yet her life was very sad. And uh, in the end... Oh, you haven't read all the book, but you know, when you get to the end of the book, and uh, but um, and the same with the Highlands. Part of its beauty is it's it's achingly beautiful. You know, the sadness puts another element onto what you're looking at. It's not just a landscape. It's it's got history. It's got it's got sadness. It's got joy. It's got everything in it. That's why I love writing up here. There's just to me, it's magical. Just absolutely magical. I absolutely understand you in many ways, but like being an outsider to the area, there's a, I don't know, I think that there's some sort of other layer and other dimension to here. Uh, definitely. Talking about maybe mythology and folklore, uh, can I ask you maybe if you can maybe quickly sum up, if you can quickly sum up the uh, Deirdre of the Sorrow story? Yes, well, the Deirdre of the Sorrow story was... Um was set partly in Ireland and partly in Scotland. And uh, it was the story of this girl who was born. Uh, when she was born, they said that she was, you know, with, she would turn out to be this most beautiful girl and that uh, all the clans, because it was in that time, I, I don't, I mean, can't remember exactly, well, it wasn't set in a specific time probably, but um, that all the clans would go to war because they would all want to claim her as their, as theirs. Uh, you know, one person would want to marry her or whatever and so the king at the time said well don't worry when she gets to be of age uh, I'll marry her and then there won't be any fights there won't be any war well what happened was that when she did come of age she saw she saw this young man uh, that she fell immediately in love with and of course that and then in the in the legend uh, they run away together and the king says, after a few years, well, because they were his warriors, come back and all is forgiven. And really what happens is that when they do come back, he kills the three brothers. The, the, the young man that she fell in love with has two brothers, and they come back, and he kills them all. And she commits suicide. That's the story. But uh, it's rather different in my story, but it's similar. You know, the idea being that uh, I've said it in contemporary days, I've tried to make contemporary occupations for everybody and, and status and all the rest of it. But that's the basic story. It's very sad, really. Is this the first time that you take inspiration from a folk 
legend or something that you've done for your previous books? No, it isn't. But, you know, I I had started to write my next book and I've, I've written about 10,000 words and I was kind of stuck. And now I'm thinking that it might be quite a nice idea and I'm doing some research on it to find uh, perhaps another tradition or another legend that I could actually incorporate into into a contemporary story again because I I really enjoy doing it and it's it gives you a good uh gives you a good focus when you're putting the plot together if you know where you're going I thought well that'd be quite a good idea maybe I should start doing that you know, <laughs> write all my books like that um uh but yes it, it's there are so many. I mean, I, I'm looking at my bookshelf now and I've got, you know, lots and lots of legends just sitting there waiting to be read. So I have to get into them and see what I can do with that. But yes, I think that's that it was it made my writing much easier in many ways. I was spoiled. <laughs> Brilliant. No, I really hope that you're going to find a good uh, legend to tie into your next book um definitely um it it works really well i think in this one and just uh i think it, it and it's quite interesting as well i think from people i didn't know about the story of the dirge of the sorrow so this is a way for people that might not know that those legends to approach them in a more modern way and then they will learn the original story as well so it's a good it's good marketing in a way too for them Yes, yes. Well, it, it, as I say, I, I found it quite a good way of doing it because it, it just gave me a focus that I could use the whole time through the book. And But I had to keep thinking, well, how, how can I make this more contemporary? I mean, for example, when we were editing, we were looking at the 2002, which is the Deirdre story, the 2017, which was the Megan story, and we realised that, we, you know, they said, well, perhaps you should update the technology, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, that kind of thing. So there was there were elements of that where you had to be very conscious of the different time. Definitely, and it's uh, having lived them both. Sometimes it's difficult to discern uh, both times as well because they are they are relatively recent. And sometimes, especially now, you can think of oh, it was it was actually twenty years ago, and you think it was yesterday. <laughs> yes, I know. And and I, one of the things I was doing when I was trying to do the background. Of, of Sebastian, who's the, the, the Laird character, uh, that when I looked up, you know, I was trying to get Megan to do some research to find out what had happened to him and where he'd gone. And I looked it up and I realized, you know, you couldn't go on social media then. I mean, the, the, uh, things like Facebook weren't invented until 2004 and he disappeared in 2002. So you'll say, hold on a minute, we're not going to be looking at social media for this anymore. <laughs> it's going to find some other ways to you know, go back to the old newspapers, like the Inverness Courier and things like that, to find out what happened, right? Newspaper are always important, no matter when. <laughs> yeah, yeah. go back to the old... Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. It's very interesting again because it's uh how technology has developed in just a short span of time and where it's gonna be for I'm thinking for authors in the future, that's gonna be another another challenge when you want to set something back in the day. So uh sometimes we don't think about it, but yeah, we need to 
details. I'm a bit worried about AI are starting to write books. You know, that sounds a bit horrifying, it doesn't does, it, to yes, you? Sir, but hopefully, hopefully there's going to still be some sort of control and we're not going to be ruled by machines. Yes, I think so. We'll see, though. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We, can't, we can't really do much about yeah. it at the moment. Um, I do wonder, um, again, I really, really love the way you write. Do you have any author that has inspired you? Maybe more than one author or... Um, any anything that has inspired your particular style? I you you asked that. I mean, I think there are a lot of uh, a lot of authors. I, uh, I I read everything. I mean, I read predominantly novels, but I do read uh, a lot of things. I mean, I always loved Hemingway, and I I always love Somerset Maugham's uh, short stories because they always have wonderful twists at the end that I like. Uh, I like Joyce Carol Oates. She's an American author. I don't know if you've ever read her, but she's uh, she writes wonderfully about you know, uh, often about social things, not consciously, but uh, about the families and and uh, different people in uh, different parts of society. Uh, I love Anne Cleves and Peter May because they write about Scotland and and they write wonderfully about the scenery. Uh, uh, and uh, that I just I can't say there's any one particular person, but if you looked at my bookshelves or on my on my e-reader, you'd find every kind of book from way back to you no, know, just no particular style. I don't think. I think uh, I just I don't know how I write. I just write. <laughs> I can't tell you how I write. That's good. It's, it's a good talent and uh, really, really enjoy well, it. Um, I can I ask you maybe what's on your bookshelf just now? Well, I've got uh, a thing of uh, called Murder Most Scottish, uh, I, which is a, a, a kind of conglomeration of stories. I've got Scottish folk tales. I've got the story of Stanley and El I can't remember, poet, and I've got something... Some mysteries. I've got some. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of things. <laughs> uh, oh, I've got a story that I. And I it is a non-fiction book about this wonderful climber called Tom Patey, who was supposed to be a really quirky guy, and he'd drink till three o'clock in the morning and then climb a mountain all day on his own the next day. I thought he sounded interesting, so I got his biography. So I've got a lot of things up there. Oh, and I've got Gavin Maxwell about the Ring of Bright Water and all those, the trilogy. I've never read that. I've just seen the films. So, so lots of stuff up here. Yes, <laughs> lots of different things. Fantastic. And uh, you were saying that the Highlands inspire you particularly. Do you have a specific place where you like to write? I sit here at my desk where I'm talking to you now. And I've got a little desk and we converted the cottage. So the wall opposite me was the outside of the old cottage because we added onto it. So I've got a lovely stone wall with big, big stones here, boulders. I look out, I've got a view of the sea and the cliffs and the sheep. And uh, we even let the sheep into our front garden here and uh, the hills and just, uh, it's just lovely. <laughs> I can't say it. Yes, it's lovely. It sounds perfect. And a couple of portals to the underworld. So just uh, just for courtesy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, yeah, yes. 
And I named we named our house uh, 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 Sanctuary by the Sea in the sense of a magic circle because it would be in Gaelic, I put it, uh, so that we can, you know, from this world to the next, our gateway. That's why I do. But um, Fiona, thank you so much for your time and uh, it was lovely to speak to you and best of luck with the launch. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. That's that's great. Nice to talk to you. Thank you very much for lending us your ears today. I hope you enjoyed the show and if you did, please share it with your friends uh, or leave us a review on your favourite platform. I'll be back soon with more voices from the literary scene in the north of Scotland, so please tune in and join us in the journey. And if you have an author, book or literary project that you would like featured on our podcast, drop us an email at northernbibliosphere.pod at gmail.com or you can now leave us a review of a book you loved on SpeakPipe. So just click in the show notes and you'll be able to record your voice and we'd love to hear from some books or authors that you that you loved so see you next time and have a wonderful and spooky october Bye.